Are you looking to improve your sales skills without compromising your values? Welcome to Sales Made Easy, a podcast for business and personal growth. Join Harry Spate, author of Selling with Dignity, your formula for life-changing sales results, as he hosts sales experts and business owners who share their journeys of personal growth and business success without resorting to pushy sales tactics. Now, here's your host, Harry. Neptali Martinez, what is the good word? Welcome to the Sales Made Easy podcast. How are things today? Thank you. It's a nice sunny day outside, so it's getting warmer, so I cannot complain about that. <laughs> good deal, Neptali. So we are going to chat today a little bit about your journey into being a new author and talk a little bit about your leadership path and then a little bit about emotional intelligence. So I'm very excited about the conversation and I just wanted to get a little understanding of your background and where your journey has taken you so far. Okay. So my journey professionally begins in, in, in technology. I had a degree on that. I had a lot of years on that. I became a manager in the technology department, leading a team of professionals supporting business applications. I'm not sure if I was bored or whatever. It was mm -hmm. simply, I got to do something else. So the opportunity of doing human resources came up and I jumped at it. I became the human resources director for the same technology department. So that prompted me to go back to school. So I went back and I got a master's in human resources managing and developing. And that clarified a lot of stuff for me that made me realize what were some of the transactional work that we were doing. You know, we were talking about emotional intelligence. Definitely, I was able to kind of manage that with a manager, with employee. And I did not realize at the time, but I was coaching them. I was coaching the employee, realizing I was coaching the manager. And one of them one day says, you know, when I retire, I'm going to become a coach. And you know, the light bulb, the prayer light bulb went, ah, coaching. So when I finished working on HR, I went back to school and I took an intensive professional coaching course that lasted a month, every day, nine to five for a month, in which I learned two things. I learned all about coaching and therefore I learned what I knew and what I didn't know. Ah, okay. So that I've been doing for a number of years, but I also was teaching. I began teaching graduate courses, undergraduate on change management. And I spoke about two hours during that just about emotional intelligence, because when you want to change people, you're going to be dealing with emotions. And it was, well, how do you do that with other people? How do you control your own emotions and all that? So yeah, emotional intelligence has been something very active in human resources and in the teaching, and of course, in coaching. So one of the things that usually comes up in coaching in terms of emotional intelligence is that a, a newly minted manager comes in and starts giving orders left and right. And it starts pushing people around. And it's a whole thing. You know, how do you come across? You know, are you building trust? So make them aware about themselves, their emotions, their tone of voice and all that. But also we talk about the other aspect of 
emotional intelligence, which is how do you manage the emotions on others, on your direct reports, on your clients, on your peers, because emotions comes from everywhere. And that's a different way of managing. When you're confronting somebody that's going to be very, very emotional, I ask them to carry a container on their side, an empty container, and all the anger, all the emotions, all the vitriol, put it in there so it doesn't hit you. Because if it hits you, you react like you want to defend yourself, right? But if you just let it go, but in the meantime, you are thinking, what is this situation about? What can I do? What is the person going through? What is it that we can work with? So by deflecting the thing that normally will hit you directly, you are able to stay calm, you're able to analyze what's going on, and then you're able to kind of talk to the person about that. After, because usually after they unload, then they're calm and you can talk to them. <laughs> we feel attacked, we feel insulted, we feel all kinds, you know, our emotions get trampled. And it's like, wait a minute, did you ask the person if that's what they meant? <laughs> right, yeah. You know? Yeah, it's like so, that, that uh -huh. simple action. Thank you for sharing all of that. It's great stuff. The, you know, the thoughts that come to mind related to emotional intelligence and leadership, I find it interesting that you were in a position of leadership when you were in technology, right? Yes. Right. So, but you didn't really have the training on emotional intelligence, but I'm willing to bet you had quite a bit of emotional intelligence. Am I wrong? Well, you're right. The, you know, some of us have something, other people have other things. And, and I think that came naturally. I don't remember really being upset for things. Mm -hmm. You know, my thing has been, okay, let me, let me think what's going on. You know, what's the issue? What's the problem? It's not something I had to learn about it. It's not, I mean, I may have perfected. I may mm -hmm. have educated myself about that, but yes, there was a base there that I was able to, you know, utilize and take right. advantage of. Yeah. So I, I looked at leadership and sales as very similar. Um, yeah. Some have defined leadership as influence and sales. Yes, right? we're serving, but we're also trying to influence people that the, our solution, product, or service is going to solve their problem. There's influence related to that. So emotional intelligence in sales is actually yes. extremely important, even though people don't typically think about it that way. Right. But right. in leadership, you know. I've come from a generation that people looked up to people like Vince Lombardi. Things like we do it my way. This is the way we do things around here and so forth. Yeah. Whereas, and I get it. That's football. You have to, you come in and it's a business and you have to win early or it's the army different, you know, different situations. But I think even the army has changed to some degree today, considerably compared to the days of Patton perhaps, but the, the whole thing about leadership now with understanding people and where they're where they are today and trying to help them to get to where they need to be it goes beyond just telling them yeah right yeah. and so why don't you tell me the difference between telling someone what they need to do versus coaching them through what can help them to be better one of the big changes that I see is that, we go from telling them to showing them. We go from mandating to including them, to say, well, what do you think? 
You know, I know you're an expert. I know, you know, how would you do it? You see the goal that we have? How would you, you know, put yourself in there? So to me, that does two things. First of all, it kind of disarms this confrontation, but you're telling the person, hey, I trust your knowledge. Hey, mm. I'm asking you. You know, one of the samples that I usually use is that my, my boss, he was at a, a C-suite level, okay? And she used to come to my office and knock on the door and ask me, Natalie, may I come in? And the way I made it, you know, like she's my boss, you know? She says, sure, sure, come in. May I sit down? Yeah, sure. May I close the door? And then she will tell me, I need your help. Now that's leadership. Mm. She needed to come that way. Right. But she was showing her regard for me. She was showing that she respected me, that she saw me where I was. So whatever she asked, do you think I did it? I do. Well, of course, you know, <laughs> I was ready to do. So that, that's, to me, that's leadership. A leader has followers. And when you follow someone, boy, you know, that's, that's a big difference. You know, managers want to be right. Leaders want ask, what is right? Mm. You know, managers usually take all the credit. Leaders give the credit. So, you know, there's a number of things that make a distinction between a leader and a manager. And up until a few years, there was a great confusion as to what is a manager and what is a leader. You know, mm -hmm. that, that's, that's leadership because that's all, oh, that's a leader. Everybody can be a leader. Right. You know, the janitor could be doing work and go to the manager and said, hey, I just saw a new cleaning product that's a lot better and it's cheaper. Why don't we get that? Now, that's a leadership action as opposed to just cleaning, doing a good job cleaning, which is a job. But no, taking initiative to do something. Oh, you know what? I, I, I dream up a new routine that could cut the time in half. How about if we do that? You know, that's leadership thinking. Okay. So anybody can be. But when, when we went, you know, in our work environment, as like, at least me, when I kept going up, they didn't send me to leadership school. They sent me to management school. Mm. <laughs> yes, exactly. Right? So leadership is coming out later. These days, you talk about more leadership. I even went to a leadership training, which I learned a whole lot. But that's in the past few years only. So yeah, yeah we, we're dealing with this kind of a heavy-duty management directive and, you know, that slowly but surely is changing. And emotional intelligence plays a big role. Yeah. There. Well, yeah. part of the whole emotional intelligence is this self-awareness. Yes. Right. Where, so like for most people who are new in leadership, they, like you mentioned, they're not trained. I certainly wasn't trained. There are parts of what I did in the early years of leadership and management that were good, but I was probably a better leader when I wasn't a manager. And then people looked at me as a leader. When I became a manager, I somehow felt like, well, this allows me to be a jerk and to bark orders at people. So that someone mentioned that to me and I realized, well, that's not the way to go. So there's a lot of back and forth as trying to figure out what was good leadership. And sometimes it's a mix of 
I like what this person did. And I don't like what that person did. And we're trying to form and shape and so forth as to what leadership really should be for us. But that first step is really getting to know yourself, which is what a lot of us don't do, right? We were, we're just not, don't have the time. We don't make the time for that. But what, what do you suggest as to how someone can become a little more in tune with themselves, be a little more self-aware? Yeah. So there's a, a lot of examples that, that you could bring into, for instance, I use the analogy of putting a mirror in front of you. Okay. So for instance, we could say, okay, here's you given an order and how does that come across and mm -hmm. what are you trying to accomplish? Because if you say to somebody, okay, I want you to do that, that's all they're going to do. They're not going to be committed. They're just mm -hmm. doing you know, what you ask them to do. But if you ask them to think about it, if you ask them to put their opinion and you make them part of it, you, you make them owners of that, you know what? They're going to do it perhaps better. They're going to do it faster. And they're going to have a better relationship with you because the way, you know, you treat them. And you mentioned the managers and leaders, but be aware that you're going to need both. Mm. And just, you know, the right situation when you had to say, hey, get out of this room because something's happening. Well, that's the manager giving a direction. And mm -hmm. then you better do it because it's something, right? But other than that, you know, you have a dialogue. You, you ask the person, you talk to them, you ask for their opinion, you ask for their thoughts. Because one of the things that I find in coaching and also in dealing with employees is there's a level of apprehension. And we talk about emotional. There's a level of fear. There's a level of avoiding risk. Okay, I'll do that because otherwise else something's going to happen. Mm -hmm. But when you develop a relationship, when you develop a dialogue, when you trust the person, there's a you know back and forth trust, then the, the fear goes down. The fear dissipates. Creating a safe environment, you know, whether you're a manager or whether you're a leader, that's a big thing because that means I can talk to my manager. I can talk to my leader. You know, right. yeah, I can go. I know I can. Whatever happens, good or bad, I know we're going to do something and listen to what I'm saying that we are going to do something. Yeah. Well, it, this, this transfers over to selling. Yes. So naturally about this, I think about like, maybe there's an initiative came out over you know, yes. when I was in corporate and they said, uh -huh. okay, so this is what we're going to do going forward. Uh -huh. Now I could go back to my team and I've done this more than once and say, yeah. well, this is what we're going to do going forward. And I'd get, well, that's stupid. Well, who, who comes up with this harebrained idea, that type of stuff. And already it's a fight. So I learned it's like, so understanding what the initiative was, it was then I would say, hmm, how can I get the team to buy in and say, yeah. let's, let's have a meeting and we're going to talk about what we can do differently about being a little more successful. How can we become a little more successful with whatever the initiative is? In sales, it might be new business or cross-selling or something like that. What are some ideas that we could have? Let's throw them all in. And then eventually, one of the ideas would be the initiative. Yeah. Right? And so then you could say, well, that sounds pretty good. Yes. And then get everyone else's buy-in on yep. that. Now yep. it was the team's idea exactly. versus... Exactly. This came from up here and we have yeah. to do it. And this is the way to do it because they're our boss and we have no say in the matter. 
Yeah. Right? Big difference, right? What's your uh, thought? I took this uh, leadership training. One of the things was that they kept harping in our mind that the answer is in the room, meaning, you know, the, the, the team, the, the mm. answer is in the room, the answer in the room. And then, you know, you, you kind of begin to just find out, well, how do I get them, you know, to the point? How do I get them to, to open up? And it's exactly what you, what you said, you know. Um, I remember doing an exercise in which they asked for a volunteer. You know, there was a room with about 20 people learning management and leadership, and they asked for a volunteer. So somebody volunteers, and they took that person out of the room. And the ones that remain, we were given wooden blocks to build a tower. And the goal was to build the highest tower with the building blocks that were assigned to you. Okay. So there were like three teams. And we tried this, we tried that. But finally, they told us exactly how to build, how to use the blocks to build the highest star, tower possible. So now all three teams knew that, right? Okay. And then they called the person that volunteer, because the person that volunteer was supposed to be the manager. And they told her, okay, you know, this is the goal. We have to come up with the highest tower. With So she came in and started telling us what she wanted. And we go, but wait, wait, we have the answer. No, no, I'm the manager and you're going to do what I tell you. I know how to do that. So here were three teams that we knew the answer and we were not given the opportunity to share. We were not given the opportunity to demonstrate, you know, what we were. So that was in my brain, you know, yes, yeah. the answer in the room. So the challenge is how do you get them as a team? So what's the difference between a group of people and a team? They trust each other. That's that's the thing. How do you get them to trust each other? And then only when they trust each other, they're pulling in the same direction. Yeah. Well, I love what you just said. I mean, I think about sales teams. Yeah. And many are put in place without trust where they put competition into the sales and say, well, who's going to be number one? Who's going to be the best performer? I'm I'm just not a fan of that at all. So every other division inside of a company should perform as a team, Yeah, right? They have a common goal. They have a mission. They get buy-in so forth. In sales, no, everyone for themselves. And you wonder why salespeople are dysfunctional. (laughs) Change the reward system. You're right. Yeah. Yeah. We are are looking for rewards somehow, but yeah, change that. Good stuff. Neptali, so I just got to ask you what, now that you have your own business, and you're making the podcast tour and you've got a book out. What have you learned about selling that you may not have known before or sales in general that you may not have known before? First of all, that is very, very tough. That quickly you had to develop a thick skin, that you had to be comfortable with rejection, that rejection is not necessarily a bad thing maybe take rejection and turn it into a redirection, you know, go someplace else. That is not the end of the day if you didn't make the sale. You know, so that I, is kind of an area that I had no knowledge that uh, my feelings got hurt when, you know, I proposed something, you know, and then it's like, wait a minute. I took that and I turned it to when I coach my clients and we talk about odds that you have to learn what the odds are. 
if you had to make a sale in an area and the odds are that you have to talk to 50 people before you get a yes, well, it's you know what? Start talking. And, and then the 49 don't get affected by it. That's a necessity. That's part of it. You know, you are going to get you one, but you need to talk to 50 people. So making it logical as opposed to personal, moving away from, you know, the feelings helped me a lot because I had to find clients and I had to deal with the rejection. But also turning it, uh, like the reason I wrote the book is called Coachability with the ability, a capital letter, because we uncover abilities that are there within us. And, you know, but is are you in the condition or, or state to be coach is because I realize that a lot of people are not ready for that. That's a great answer. I appreciate the humility in that, you know, where you mentioned how it affected you personally. And then you just it still still impacts us personally. No one likes the word no. We can we can say whatever we want, but for a lot of us who are people people and yeah. want to be light, yeah. still the no comes across as is this me personally? Yeah. But we have to that that's where the emotional intelligence comes in, right? So we we get the little sting, we get the little bee sting, but the yeah. emotional intelligence is I've got to persist. Yeah. I have to stay motivated. I've got a business to run. I cannot let this little twinge in my emotions stop me from the bigger mission right yeah i had a client that he wrote a proposal and over the phone they were talking with the client and the client had another expert besides him on the phone and they were talking and they were pushing back to this client mm-hmm. saying oh this so my client felt insulted oh he felt disrespected he felt you know ready to fight and i was asking him i said you're a professional that was your professional opinion why can they challenge that mm. why can they ask you for clarification why can they push back that's the client that's what the client does is they were not insulting you they were just asking they were right. not against you you know you're a professional you're supposed to have answers you know so that there's the emotional intelligence that you take how you feel hurt and you say no that's part of the discussion you know and you need to be ready to answer that because that you're putting yourself out there and you need to be ready to take that without feeling that is you know personal so yeah definitely being humble <laughs> being mm-hmm. accepting not taking it personally definitely goes a long way right. and you know like i said that helped me understand why some people did not want to take my coaching services you know because i thought i was given the best thing under the sun right and then they say no <laughs> so That's right yeah. yeah well this is great and Natalie, we could go on for quite a bit here i love the conversation but so you have a book out it's called coach ability like yeah. a second word there but they're combined but where can people find you and find the book? Okay, the the name of the book is Coachability. Are you in the state or condition to be coached? And is an Amazon, Barnes and Noble, and any other online place you can find it. Yes. Okay, great. And what about you? LinkedIn is that a good place to find you? LinkedIn sir? is fine. Yeah, I'm a big presence in there. My profile is open. You know, I'm open to answer questions. Yes, definitely LinkedIn. Good is, deal. Is the- I love the conversation and 
looking forward to your continued path of success and helping others. So thanks a lot for making an appearance here on Sales Made Easy. It's a real honor having you here. Thank you for the opportunity. Thank you for listening to Sales Made Easy. If you found value in our conversations, please subscribe and leave a review. Our goal is to provide practical strategies for growing your business while staying true to your values. Remember, success in sales is about serving your clients. Serve first and the selling will follow. We'll be back soon with more insights and inspiration. Until then, keep serving and providing value to others. Good things will happen.